This is The Space Shot, episode 56, for July 9th, 2017. Starfish Prime and Tron. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. The Starfish Prime test occurred on this day in 1962, when a Thor missile carrying a nuclear warhead went up into space. The weapon was detonated on its downward trajectory, roughly 250 miles above the surface of Earth. This weapon had an approximate yield of 1.4 megatons and caused artificial aurora to be visible from thousands of miles away. To put the explosive force of this test into perspective, the 1.4 megaton yield of this explosion was equal to roughly half of the explosive power of all of the bombs dropped, including the nuclear bombs used against Japan during World War II. The United States and Soviet Union were both interested in studying the effects of high-altitude nuclear detonations. How these explosions interacted with the Van Allen belts was of interest to the United States as well. The Van Allen belts are large donut-shaped radiation belts of particles that are captured by the magnetic field around Earth. These belts were first discovered by James Van Allen, hence the name. The study of these regions is important because it helps us understand how Earth's magnetic field interacts with the solar wind. There's also a practical space application for studying the Van Allen belts. It's important because spacecraft operating in and around the belts must have special shielding in order to function. The Starfish test was part of Operations Fishbowl and Dominic, which were American high-altitude nuclear tests that started after the Soviet Union resumed high-altitude weapons testing. Some of the effects of the Starfish test were shared in a scientific monograph produced at the Los Alamos National Laboratory. The part that I found most intriguing covered the effects of the electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, that was produced by this detonation. Quote, Starfish produced the largest fields of the high-altitude detonations. They caused outages of the series-connected street lighting systems of Oahu in Hawaii, probably failure of a microwave repeating station, failure of input stages of ionospheric sounders, and damage to rectifiers in communications receivers. The report continues that, quote, With the increase of solid-state circuitry over the vacuum tube technology of 1962, the susceptibility of electronic equipment will be higher, and the probability of more problems for future detonations will be greater. A sanitized copy of the report titled, A Quick Look at the Technical Results of Starfish Prime, was released in 1990 as part of a Freedom of Information Act request. This document goes over some of the details of the test, but certain specifics are left out. I'm including links to both documents in the show notes. The Starfish Prime event ended up contributing to the failure of the Telstar satellite that was developed by AT&T Bell Labs and launched by NASA. In tomorrow's episode, I'm going to be talking about Telstar and will go into more detail about its operations and eventual demise. In all, Operation Dominic totaled 31 nuclear tests during 1962. Operation Fishbowl was the component of the program that used Thor missiles to send nuclear weapons into space. Most of the other tests were carried out by B-52s that dropped conventional bombs. However, in one instance, a World War II-era destroyer, the USS Agerholm, tested a nuclear-equipped anti-submarine rocket and depth charge off the coast of Southern California. Now for some pop culture history. On this day in 1982, 
35 years ago to the day, the original Tron movie was released in theaters. Jeff Bridges portrayed a computer programmer that's transported inside the hardware and software world of a computer. Tron wasn't a huge critical success at the time of its release, but over the ensuing decades, it's gathered a cult following. As a kid, the idea of getting pulled inside a computer sounded like fun, and naturally I was drawn to the games that were played as part of the admittedly thin plot of the movie, but who wouldn't want to drive a light cycle around? Telstar. Thank you all for listening to the show. Producing a daily podcast takes a lot of time, and I would love if you could take just a moment to leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think. If you're so inclined, you can ask me questions and chat on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you know that loves history, space, or pop culture. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.